Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. The quickly emerging vertical or indoor farming sector often is touted for its environmental sustainability. But according to ongoing research conducted by one of the major players in the space, produce grown indoors also offers notable health benefits to people beyond those which is farmed outdoors. Crop One Farm, which claims to be the largest completely controlled and contained vertical hydroponic farming company, is testing how it can not only grow produce more efficiently and sustainably indoors, but how it can also improve the quality of the leafy greens that it sells under its Fresh Farm Box brand and through its food service and catering partnerships. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Jenna Bell, the VP of Nutritional Science at Crop One, and Dean Falcone, the Chief Scientific Officer for the Indoor Farm, explain how they are able to control specific growing conditions to produce nutritionally dense greens all year, anywhere, to meet consumers' growing demand for healthy local food. They also explain how Crop One Farm's unique modular construction allows it to set up shop in areas that otherwise would be unsuitable for farming fragile leafy greens. Finally, they outline how vertical farming benefits the environment and what Crop One Farms is doing to become carbon neutral. So according to Bell, Crop One's unique modular technology and growing process sets it apart from other vertical farming companies, and serves as the foundation for how it produces crops that are more nutrient-dense, sustainable, and at higher yields than competitors. So Crop One is a vertical hydroponic farming company, but what makes us different is that we're looking for scalability. And so we really want to look at how we can increase the density of food in a smaller space. So how can we kind of densify farming? How can we stack it? How can we bring it to urban environments in a way that doesn't take up much land, um, doesn't require as much water? And certainly the, the driving force behind this is to address the global agriculture and food supply chains um, challenges that we have, whether it's a reduction in the amount of land that we're able to grow on around the world, um, food waste is an is an issue in this country and globally. Um, about 40% of the food in the U.S. is actually thrown out because it goes bad. And I think that that's one of those that we all relate to because we often say, oh, we can't, I don't eat fruits and vegetables before they go bad. And so having something that's hyper-locally grown can help to address food waste as well. We use far less water um, than what is used in traditional agriculture and then also, unfortunately, um, despite its nutritional value, vegetables have been carriers of um, contaminants in the past few years. And we've had food safety issues where there's illnesses from romaine lettuce having E. coli traces on them. And so growing indoors is an option to, to complement and support traditional agriculture and remove some of these issues like land and um, water supply and food safety. And one of the ways that we do that is that is quite different is that we are actually looking at modular-based, very large farms. So we, we grow with the intention to um, build a modular system that really can go anywhere in the world. 
In addition to providing Crop One versatility to where they can grow their crops, Bell notes that the company's unique setup and technology allow it to more tightly control the plant's environment to create a higher quality, more nutrient-dense crop. We also have really like plant-specific growing conditions. So we can tinker with the humidity, the temperature, the CO2. We can adjust everything to really optimize not just the yield, but how can it also be these manipulations to affect the, the nutritious value. Falcone explains that Crop One is able to manipulate the environment to produce higher quality and quantity of produce because it combines computer technology, plant science, and state-of-the-art growth infrastructure, including racks, plumbing, and water control. To get the most out of that system, the most uh, energy-efficient system, we do something that's called uh, a multiple harvest system. Um, and this gets into uh, a, diff- a real differentiator because we don't see this happening uh, too much with the competition. And it's something that we've really focused on. And again, our infrastructure has had to evolve around that capability. But the bottom line is we put plants into the system, into our growth system. We allow those plants to grow, and then they're harvested. The big difference is we then allow them to grow back. We harvest them again. And depending on the species, we can harvest them even four and five times. So there's some leaky greens that do very well at harvesting four or five times. The real essence that, of that advantage is the fact that that regrowth occurs in much less time than the initial growth. So in other words, what people are accustomed to with outdoor or traditional farming is you put the plants in the ground, you sow the seeds in the ground, let those grow up, and you harvest at harvest time, and that's it. The entire growth cycle is done. So that's fundamentally different in the way that we do things. Um, and it's, we're allowed to do that. It goes back to knowing a little bit about the physiology of the plant and knowing how to uh, basically make the plant think it's what's, what's called still in its vegetative growth mode, and that is uh, growing to where uh, kind of fall never comes. And uh, the way that plants detect that is, is the, uh, the, the day length basically shortening. Obviously, it's easy to control uh, how long the lights are on. <laughs> so, um, so that's one way in which we uh, keep the plants going and we can harvest them over and over again. So we found that that's how we really balance that, that energy equation. And we've made so much progress over the last few years that we think we can, that, that trend will continue. We'll continue to make strides in kind of fine-tuning uh, on the basis of different crops. Um, See, but the other thing I was going to talk about with regard to um, kind of the infrastructure, the, uh, we really put an emphasis on the quality aspect. We can actually grow plants even more rapidly than we grow them, but then you start losing quality. So there is an upper limit as far as, you know, and it varies from species to species, but there is an upper limit out as how fast you can push a plant to grow. Obviously, we'd like a nice, thick, dark green uh, spinach or whatever, um, and, and and that's what we put first. So we want we want a good growth rate, we want a good yield, but we also want that very very high quality. Now that leads to uh, sort of the next phase, certainly in our development, what we really started on, and, and that is uh, uh, basically plant improvement. The big advantage one has when you grow indoor versus outdoor is 
the ability to have that fine control. So if you're out, outside, of course, you can have various levels of even sunlight. You can have cloudy days. You can have a lot of rain or too little rain. Uh, all of these affect what the plant produces um, with regard to nutritional metabolites, the, the so-called phytochemicals that plants produce that, are, that have health benefits for humans. And so because we're growing in a completely controlled environment where everything is controlled, including the humidity, temperature, and even carbon dioxide levels, uh, we've removed that variation, that variability. And so, um, so what we get is a very consistent product. So that's something that outdoor growth can never really achieve because you're always going to have a little bit of variability. Even, you know, it might get a little bit cooler one night versus another night, or you won't, you won't have the same optimal temperatures day after day. So, again, it's, it's really a new way of thinking about growing crops in general because of that kind of simple uh, uh, different concept there that, that we've not really grown plants at scale uh, under, uh, under such complete control. And so we're only, only at the beginning of realizing all the benefits. But one of those benefits is the consistency and quality, but that's going to also lead into consistency of nutritional content. And that's something that we're, we've really started on in a big way. In addition to controlling the environment, Falcone explains that Crop 1 can improve the nutritional value of the produce it grows by controlling the nutrients that they consume. Of course, we control the, uh, the environment, but we also control the plant nutrients uh, that, that, that are in the water that we feed to the plant. And it turns out that um, some secondary compounds, that is phytochemicals, that are either interesting from a taste perspective or interesting from a, a human health perspective, uh, uh, those levels can be regulated by the amount of these dissolved mineral nutrients. So uh, one, one example I can give that comes to mind is arugula. Arugula is it's quite a spicy uh, crop of ours, and it's spicy because it produces these metabolites that, um, uh, well, if I have the spicy uh, um, flavors to them, but they also have health benefits. And these are the same class of compounds called glucosinolates that are in all the brassicas, so all the broccolis and things like that, that, uh, you know, when people say, you know, broccoli is very healthy, you should eat it, it's absolutely true. Um, and it's, it's because of these compounds that those particular crops produce. So the point of bringing up the, the flavor component of arugula, that's a, something that's very easy for us to test. So we can manipulate the the nutrients in the water, that is the plant nutrients in the water that we feed to the plant, and then uh, control the level of those because to the plant, those, those compounds are dispensable. And so that leads back to what I was mentioning before about the variability that one receives or one sees outside. Again, variability in the amount of water, rainfall, that, that can happen. Um, and so these, these metabolites vary widely. Um, and so you know, by, by the consistent application of, of plant nutrients. And, and th at this point in our system, that's now computer-controlled. We've now developed all the sensors and algorithms that monitor this stuff and allows us to be very, very, very precise. Um, that is another benefit. While Crop One plant scientists have learned a lot about how to improve the quality of produce that they grow since the company launched in 2015, 
Bell says that the company and indoor farming industry more broadly has barely begun to explore the full potential of what she described as tricking the plants into producing more of the nutrients that people need. And I liked what Dean was saying earlier about almost like tricking the plant. So we're actually modifying the nutritional value of the plant without invoking a modification, but rather causing the plant to do it themselves. So they're making changes based on their environment in a, without us having, but we haven't done, um, we haven't done any modifications um, to them, but rather just in their environment. And so it's interesting because the compounds that plants produce to protect themselves are the ones that are also very, um, very good for human health. And, you know, so the phytonutrients tend to be beneficial for all of the human health systems from cardiovascular to central nervous system function and immune function and brain protection. So it's really exciting. We're, we're, like I said, we're just at the, we're barely at the starting line. We're looking at it. We're looking at the starting line from where, from this vantage point, but um, there's, it seems that um, it might be, there might be an infinite number of ways to do some tweaks and change some um, nutrient levels. As with other vertical or indoor farms, Crop One Farms is also focused on producing more with less. So as sustainably as it can to feed the population that's growing without draining the planet's limited resources. For example, Falcone explained that Crop One's modular technology allows it to use only 1% of the amount of water required by traditional agriculture, and it uses land 400 times more effectively. The world population has grown enormously in the last 100 years. Um, and in fact, we're, what, 7.6 billion right now, and we're going to approach 9 billion in the next um, 30 years or so, which is an extraordinary number, <clears throat> just, just with regard to resources. And the big resource for a plant growth, and that's agricultural productivity, of course, is water. So that's why we always start by saying if, if there's an immediate winner that we're seeing right now or winning aspect of this uh, indoor approach, that's the water use efficiency because our system is closed and so we don't lose water to the outside environment. Basically, all the water goes through the plant. So that's an enormous um, advantage because that is, in fact, one of the biggest costs of, of traditional farming. Um, so if you think about the population increase, we'll have to produce more uh, in general because there's more mouths to feed. But also, worldwide, affluence is increasing. So there's more people eating higher quality diets. And so they'll, they'll begin to eat um, um, you know, fresh leafy greens, for example, and other sources of you know, sort of uh, you know, pesticide-free high-quality ingredients. While indoor farming may better manage space and water, many critics of the emerging industry point to the high amounts of energy it requires to keep the lights on and control the other environmental factors at optimal levels for plant health. Bell and Falcone acknowledge this concern, but they say that Crop One is actively working to become carbon neutral, in part by scaling up to improve the ratio of output to input, but also by exploring new technological advancements. Our true measure of sustainability is the carbon intensity. So when I, you know, looking at how can we decrease the energy input 
that is required for an indoor farm. And that is always going to be the biggest um, challenge, but it's not insurmountable. It's not possible to get large, large scale with solar and wind at this moment in time. But by building scale at scale and building farms that are um, modular and growing crops that are better at um, pulling in carbon, so being carbon sinks almost like the, the plants themselves are helping to clean up the carbon um, and reduce that intensity that we, the energy, and kind of balance that out. Um, we're working very hard to make sure that not only are we indoor, clean, safe, low water, low land uses, like many of our competitors, but we're, trying, we're being very cognizant of how do we scale and grow enough biomass so that we can sink more carbon that we use. What we think is one of the most exciting, so I think is one of the most exciting uh, areas, and that is the carbon neutrality, moving toward carbon neutrality. So if we're, we're consuming that much energy to grow a crop, um, how do you uh, mitigate the release of that much CO2, for example, from a fossil fuel electric power plant? And the way that that's envisioned is to co-locate uh, a farm next to uh, a natural uh, fossil fuel burning power plant so that you can literally take carbon dioxide that's released from that um, power plant and feed it to the plants. At this point in time, we actually purchase CO2 and feed it to the plants. That's the, that's the substrate that plants are built from. It's, it's carbon. Um, just like us, the plants take it from the, from the atmosphere and we simply eat the plants and animals. Um, so that, to me, is, is the real ultimate um, taking gas that would have been released in, in basically the greenhouse gas and building a plant with that and even better a plant that we can eat. So that is pretty, a little bit more distant future, but actually not that far distant in the future because we, we are getting the, the details of how much carbon dioxide a plant can consume and looking at various plants that micro a little bit, micro a little bit uh, more quickly and therefore consume that much more carbon dioxide per unit time. So that to me is, is that's starting to tackle some of these very major issues that, that the world is facing at the moment. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what is the future as far as I can see with regard to that kind of technological development. While Crop One and other indoor farms become more efficient and sustainable, they'll also be able to produce products at a price point that's more attainable to consumers. And as it does, the still emerging industry will better be able to tap into the significant and still growing consumer demand for healthy, safe, local produce, according to Bell. This area is, is still in its infancy. If you look at the North American greens market, it's a $8 billion industry. And vertical farming is 0.01% of that at this time. But we have a great deal of potential for that to grow, especially um, around the globe. The produce market is a $500 billion industry when we look at internationally, and that's green leafy vegetables, herbs, berries, mushrooms. Um, and all of these things will actually could work potentially in hydroponic and indoor vertical farms. Um, so it really is this kind of multi-winner industry right now. Um, it's split between supermarkets, so looking at retail, and also food service. The food service market, I think, is quite interesting because it's looking to be more commoditized, shifting from high volumes at very low prices, 
And so quick service restaurants um, are, are looking to make changes in how they deliver and how they purchase along their food chain, especially with leafy greens. And as we may have heard, or you may have heard in the, the news, you know, there's widely documented contaminations. And with some of these quick service restaurants, it can be a really painful hit to them and also one to their consumers. And, you know, you lose trust and you certain nobody wants to make anybody sick, obviously. Um, so these quick service restaurants are looking and exploring, how can we get our leafy greens produced in a way that is not going to expose them to bacteria? Because any time that there's a human involved, you know, there's an exposure to bacteria. Or if something needs to be washed repeatedly, every wash is an opportunity to add more bacteria. Um, and then, you know, looking at the quick service restaurants in general, green, leafy greens are actually the leading source. And, um, you know, from a nutrition perspective, that's unfortunate, right? Because we want people to enjoy enjoy their salads. Um, so I think the, the quick service restaurants as well as the supermarkets are recognizing that this is, this is an opportunity for them to how can we explore um, vertical farmers and the industry itself. Um, and what we're trying to do is make it scale. So one example I would say of um, making it scale is that we, we have a proven history of cleanliness and consistent growth. We started growing we've been growing consistently in the Boston area as fresh box farms um, since 2015. And then more recently in the past couple of years, we've created a partnership with um, Emirates Flight Catering. And so we're actually building the world's largest vertical farm for Emirates Flight Catering to supply, you know, the 220,000 meals a day that they produce with green leafy vegetables that are going to stay fresh longer because they're grown on site. So rather than, being part of the, the food supply that they have to ship in or import, which is, a, you know, 85% of what they have, is, you have to be um, shipped in. But also we're looking at quality and taste and um, freshness and the texture, and you can maintain that better if you're growing indoors and you're manipulating the environment, and especially if you don't have any access to the outside world. With so much potential and advancing technology working in its favor, the indoor farming sector is nearing a tipping point, according to Bell. And as such, she predicts retailers and food service will soon have increased access to high-quality produce that drives consumer foot traffic and sales. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment and to ensure that you remember... I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week. 